News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or want some tips, you can give us a call or text. It's all one number, one 332 Five five. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. How's your weekend so far? Hot. The long weekend. Hot. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> you say it every time, but I've literally watched my tomato plant grow more in the last two days oh. with this heat. Ooh, especially if you got cherry tomatoes, you would just keep harvesting. It's just insanity. <laughs> just keep harvesting. <laughs> I can't be mad about it, but no. it is a little aggressive. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's quite amazing. It's just a matter of uh, right now, just making sure. You know, I always tell people in the past, in starting with September, you mm-hmm. slow down your watering. Yeah. Well, right now you just can't. No. I mean, it's too hot. It's too hot. You can't, the plants are still transpiring and if you, they'll go into big stress right now. So, but you know what? It'll, it'll change real quick and yep. then you can all of a sudden revert back <laughs> and start, you know, slowing the plant down. And, uh, but you want to, you want to, this time of the year, you want to keep your plants alive. You don't want to be wilting yet right now. Yeah. Um, uh, so you want to, but you know, I've noticed even, I have a set of poplars mm-hmm. that don't get any water. And they're all yellow right now. Oh, okay. Because they go into emergency mode, what I yeah. call. And they do that every fall because this time of the year it's usually dry. Yeah. And uh, they go into emergency mode and they turn yellow and they drop their leaves and every year they come up again. So trees are fairly resilient. They have a schedule of their they own. Have, they, so this time of the year, you know, we were just talking before the show, Aaron. Yes. I mean, what time you come to work really Yeah, early. I'm, I'm here... Yeah, you're usually hurt. a couple hours before dawn, but now it's a couple more hours. <laughs> hours. Now the sun's not so up till after six sometimes. Yeah, you're here really early. So yeah, so it's the sun's just coming up right now about 6.30 yeah, or just, so. Yeah, 6.30-ish. And, and then and by nine o'clock, it's dark, right? Oh. So it's it's the transition time. and We're starting to get there. <laughs> and so it won't take long and the heat units won't be there and all of a sudden things will start changing. So it's uh, th- that's the time of the year, right? Yeah, we're in that fall season almost. Fall season. So right now, you, like I said, you want to just keep your plants well watered yet because just because of this heat yeah. uh, and then once the weather changes which looks like about a week well, in about a week's week, time week and about, a half yep about next friday it looks like the highs are around 19 degrees mm-hmm. so then you know then the de- nighttime temperatures will start cooling off as well so then then you can start slowing down but right now uh great time to fertilize the, the lawn yeah, and with that fall fertilizer you know getting it ready to go so you can you can do that anytime in september and one neat thing that's out right now, you'll see across the chain stores and the, and the garden centers is the fall bulbs. Okay. The tulips, yeah. the daffodils, the al- aliens, the, 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 all the, the good fall, stuff you see in fall, spring. Fall garlic. <laughs> I mean, how many people don't cook with garlic, right? Oh, yeah. And so fall's a great time to plant your garlic in the ground. So, you know, crocuses as well. Everything people come always in the spring and ask me, I want to plant a, some tulips and some crocuses. Yeah. Well, you got to come back in September. Yeah, you got to do it later. <laughs> you got to do that because it has to have the cold temperatures to be able to over the winter time mm. to trigger them to bloom. Okay. So that's why you uh, and in, in most of the bulbs come from Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few bulbs that come from uh, actually out near Prince Edward Island. Oh, cool. There's a, there's a grower actually there. Wow. But uh, otherwise, most of the bulbs come from Holland, and so um, this is the time of the year they arrive because they do the harvest there mm-hmm. uh, during this during the summertime and uh, after the finished blooming out there. And, and uh, um, yeah, so now's the time to 
Think about getting those in the ground so they can get rooted and then be able to pop up next yeah, spring. Planning on. for that spring yep. pop of color. <laughs> I, I'm this afternoon. I'm I'm plan, I got one spot. I'm going to be putting forty bulbs, tulip oh. bulbs in this afternoon. <laughs> and, and it'll look great in a few months' time. <laughs> in a few months' time, next spring it's going to pop. We have a sign out by our front driveway, and all these flowers are going to pop up around there first thing in the spring. So it'll look pretty good. Perfect. Yeah. Um, we have a couple people waiting okay, for us. We'll go. we'll go to Moose Jaw first. Uh, Reg is on the line. Good morning, Reg. What's your question for Rick? Good morning. I've got some pumpkins in the garden. They're really green. They're growing well. Uh, can I cut the leaves back and let the sun get at them a little bit more? Or how do I speed up the ripening? Yeah, definitely. If, if the leaves are all covering them up, you can just give a few of the leaves. Don't trim all the leaves off because the pumpkin's still growing right now. Actually, right now, in the next week or so, they'll put on a lot of weight yet, right, if you want them bigger. If you're fine with the size, yeah, just trim some leaves back. Uh, you can even trim a half a leaf back, you know, even if you want. If you don't, because don't forget, it's pretty hot yeah. right now. You don't want to, with 31 or 32 degrees, some places is up to 35 degrees. You don't want to pre-cook your, your pumpkins. And so, but otherwise, yeah, they're, it's, they're protected. But otherwise, you can trim some of them out of there just to give them a little bit more light, but leave some there with this heat for the next few days yet. Okay, what about watering? Watering, keep keep up your watering, absolutely. Um, now, like I said, this time of the year is when they start actually putting on some size. Like if you have melons like cantaloupe and you know musk melons and watermelon, uh, if you usually in September is when people use the crop covers, those little white sheets, and then that's when now you'll get up to a 17-pound watermelon in, in Saskatchewan. So... Um, but and that's because they put all their their growth right at the very end. And so, if you want your pumpkin to be bigger, uh, keep watering it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, okay. thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Reg. Hi. All right. We'll go to Saskatoon, where Brian's waiting for us. Good morning, Brian. What's your question for Rick today? Morning, guys. Uh, I planted a couple of different types of uh, cherry tomatoes. Mm-hmm. The short, bushy type. Yep. And the other ones are taller. They're about three, four feet tall now. Yep. And had incredible yields, like for about a three-week period there. God, I was getting about two pounds a day out of these suckers. <laughs> but um, now, even though it's summertime weather, the short bushy ones are dying, the leaves are curling up, and also my cucumbers are dying too. The leaves are turning yellow, and uh, I've kept them adequately watered and uh, uh, fertilized and stuff is... Uh, Something going wrong there, or is it just maybe their time? No, one thing to watch for is is watering is is the amount of water and what the time of day you water as well. If they're turning yellow, they may have got uh, earlier on a bit of powdery mildew, and that's when leaves uh, when the water sits on the leaves overnight. Okay, that's important that you don't do that. And uh, so, just making sure that you're you're poking your finger into the into the soil and making sure that you keep that that adequate water. If they're turning yellow. That means that usually it's it's from two things. It's and it can happen the same way. It's from not enough water or too much water. Okay. Should uh, should they normally grow right up until the frost? Right up until the frost. Okay. And yep. one quick question too. I planted some radishes about middle of June. Yep. And I've trimmed them down a couple of times, and I pulled a couple out the other day, and they are just not growing at all, like none whatsoever. There's hardly any fruit there, and uh, I'm wondering why that would be. If you trimmed them down, you you probably have too much too much compost or something in, in that spot where you're planting them. That means they're putting all top growth and no bottom, okay? 
So one thing you want to watch for your for your anything with your root crops like potatoes and radishes and carrots, they don't need a ton of nutrients. Okay, they 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 extract a lot of the nutrients themselves, and so just watch that you know where you want to put your nutrients. Things like corn, you know your beans and peas, even beans and peas, uh, even those ones will fix their own nitrogen, so they don't even need as much. So, but things like corn and and those kind of things, uh, uh, the, but the ground crops. Uh, just go a little bit lighter. Don't be so heavy on your fertilizer. Then you'll get your tops. And then also make sure you're thinning your radishes so they're not too tight together. And that, now, that, well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, fertilize it much. I just used some potting soil I bought, mixed it with some pyrrolite yep. and some pea moss. And I give them, I think, one shot of fertilizer at the beginning of the year. That was it. No, they should. They shouldn't be putting so much top on then if you only did that much. Yeah, so I guess so. It's just a matter of then you just had a, either some some seed that that didn't produce as well, uh, so you may want to switch up the type of seed you have. But then make sure next year that you put them in a different location as well. Don't go. Yeah. You, don't put your ground crops in the same row as you did the previous year. Well, I've got them in some big pots, eh? Oh, okay. Yeah, if you put them in big pots, then then you know what? For radishes, you're better off to put them straight into the dirt. You know, you have if you put them in pots, you you have a pot, more more potting mix than dirt, okay, and mm-hmm. then you'll get more top growth because all that peat moss is acting act, acting like a a compost for them, right? So, your for radishes, I would suggest just plant them straight into the garden, not in, not necessarily a pot, or if you go into a pot, put a little bit more soil in there. But the, there's one bad deal about putting more soil in a pot is that the pot goes it goes hard, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah, it does. yeah okay, so, thanks guys, appreciate okay. it. You're welcome. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get to Marianne waiting on the phone line and more of your questions. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. This is Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. Rick, we've had some people waiting for us through the break, so we'll uh, go right to the phones. Perfect. Uh, we'll start off in Martinsville with Marianne. Good morning, Marianne. What's your question for Rick this morning? Good morning, Rick. Good morning. So my, my question is, I'm calling for a friend. So their garden is newer, like three years old. Yep. Scabby beets, scabby potatoes. I know we can't fix it this year. How, what do you do for next year? Like what's it missing or what does it have too much of? Too much too much uh, manure or something in the soil. Uh, that's okay. what causes scabby potatoes every single time. So like, and they put them okay. in a different location. You have to rotate your crop every year. And you don't want to go back to that same spot you have the scabby potatoes uh, for at least two, leave, skip two years and go back the third year, okay? Okay. So that's important. So put other crops there like your corn or your peas or your all that kind of stuff. You can, you know, uh, beans uh, you can put there. But uh, so some of your root crops try to keep out of that area. And then, uh, like I was just talking to the last caller, is that try not to, for all your root crops, try not to make too much if you're going to put in the spring and you know we're going to plant the root crops put mm-hmm. a little less compost or manure or whatever you're doing in those areas so less leaves less compost less everything yep just a little bit less you okay. can still put some because they need some food right but don't put a right. lot don't put a lot 
so there's nothing else you can add to it. It's not like it's missing something. It's not missing. It's too much. Um, okay. It's too much. And so, and that'll clear it. But it, it takes a couple of years. Like you get the big companies like McCain's Potatoes mm-hmm. and that. They actually mm-hmm. don't own very much land. They rent land because what they want to do is that they want the farmers to put their other canola or wheat or, you know, barley or whatever wow. in the other years. And then they go back and they'll plant <laughs> potatoes the, the, the following year. Yeah. And they will go back to that field again for two or three years. Okay. 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 No, that makes sense. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We have Jean in Regina. Good morning, Jean. What's your question for Rick? Uh, Good morning, Aaron and Rick. I have uh, a dragon wing begonia, Mm -hmm. a red tubers begonia, and a poinsettia that I put outside all summer. Good for you. I would like to transplant them and bring them in as house plants over the winter. Yep. What type of soil do I use? And yep. I also want to do the light dark thing with the poinsettia. Yeah. So what you can do with the poinsettia, you can just use a straight potting soil. Okay, just your regular okay. potting soil. Your begonias right. want to make sure that you use a little bit more. You can use straight soft, uh, potting soil, but add a little bit more perlite to it, okay? Uh, okay. So it just has a little right. bit more drainage, right? Because they want, don't like to be too wet. Okay, that's the big thing. Right. Some of your potting soils have about 80% peat moss, right? So they, right. Can, they can tend to be overwatered, and you don't want to do that with your begonias. Right, right. And, and well. what you can do with your begonias if you want to is you can keep them growing if you want, or if you want with begonias, you can, you can uh, once they get a little cool temperatures, you can actually dig them out of the ground, Take the bulb and give the bulb a rest, and then fire that bulb up again in, in January. That, oh, okay. That's actually the best way to do it to give it a bit of a rest. And uh, so, oh. so just what you do is take it out of the pot. Uh, right. Actually, just leave it yet for a bit. Wait until the nighttime temperatures cool down outside a little bit. Uh, your poinsettia okay. you can bring in and make sure you right. debug it. And then also, you need to start in the next uh, about another. Oh, two and a half weeks or so. Uh, you mm. want to you want to start doing the twelve hours daylight and twelve hours nar- darkness. Okay. Okay. And you're going to be starting that around the around the anywhere between the fifteenth and twentieth of September. Okay. And oh, start, that soon. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. If you no. want to have a a point set up for Christmas, that's when you need to start. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much. You're I appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, the, the dragon wing begonia is a very large plant. Yep. So I just take the bulb. Yeah, what you want to do is you want you want to let temperatures get cool, so energy goes down into the bulb first. Then you're going to right. dig the bulb out with the plant attached. Let it right. on, put it on a piece of paper and let the top dry down. Okay, so all the uh, energy goes back into the bulb. Then once right. the top dries down, cut the bulb off, put it into a paper bag with a little bit of peat oh. moss with just a hint of moisture, not very much moisture at all. It's just so that it's yeah. not bone dry, and then put, okay. put it in a cool, dry place, and then in January, get it started again. Right. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to doing this. Okay. Thank you for all your help. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Bye-bye. All right, we have a couple of texts that we can uh, maybe get through before we uh, head to our news break. Uh, this one coming from Angela in Good Eve. Uh, I have a black currant and gooseberry bush. They ha- They are both three years old. My question is, how and when do I prune them? And the gooseberries, do they have to be a brown color when I pick them, or can they be a light green color? They could be whatever. Yeah, if you like them a little more tardy, then mm-hmm. you can pick them a little more green color. Okay. If you want them more sweet, then we'll leave them on for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And because as the cool temperatures come, which we haven't had, yeah. <laughs> they'll sweeten them up. 
Uh, but what was the other? What was the first one again? Uh, the first part of the question yep. is uh, with the black currants and the gooseberry yep. bushes. When do uh, I prune how them? and when do you prune them? Okay, so I, I like to prune them after they after they basically the leaves start falling, changing okay. color. So you're not looking until about October. Okay, so still can, a bit of time on that. Lots of time for that yet. So just right now, just keep them watered right now, and then in another week's time, and then start slowing down the watering. Okay. Very important. All right, we will go to um, a question here from Jean in Regina. Um, they ha- uh, want to know, what is a recommended way to control the fall-like colored tent caterpillars? They've been on top of their apple tree for about yeah. three years. There is one cluster now and five clumps. Yeah, so the, the one thing about the fall ones is that they're, uh, I've noticed that they don't, they'll take one branch mm-hmm. and they'll chew up one branch, right? Okay. So it's not the end all for the plant. So you can either just leave them mm-hmm. or you can use a product called BTK. Okay. It's a biological, it's totally safe. And so as soon as they start eating on the leaf, then they get a tummy ache and they die. Or you can use a bug out, bug out X, which is ambush. Okay. Uh, you can use that one if you want. Um, uh, either one of those two will work just fine. Uh, like I said, for the odd branch, it's not like the 10 caterpillars we have in the spring cycles. Yeah. Those things will just eat the they whole thing. They want the whole thing. They want the whole thing. <laughs> These ones just tend to take a branch or two. So, yeah, the, the the buds this time of the year, one thing about this time of the year is that they'll eat all the leaves and then the buds will still set. Okay. And they'll bud out next year. So, it, it like I said, it's, it's not as critical mm-hmm. with them, but if you want to, you know, it does look unsightly having this big, looks like a big spider's web yeah. up in the up in the leaves where because uh, they make such a nest up there. Uh, just when you first see them, use some BTX or some ambush. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll do one more and then we'll go to our break. Uh, I'm growing potatoes in a raised bed. They are very dry and wilted, but tops are still green. Should I water or let them dry out and cure for harvest? Uh, you could give them a little bit of moisture because the, the bottoms are still growing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, now you can start, you know, you can actually start stealing potatoes and that kind of stuff as well so yeah. but yeah you can just you can start letting them dry down if you want and um, uh, or if you like I said they will grow a little bit in the ground yet so not much if the if the top's all brown they're not going to grow that much so um, you could just leave them and then um, and then start harvesting as you as you're as you're eating as you like go get the fresh ones <laughs> the best ones the best, are the fresh yeah, ones absolutely <laughs> we uh will be we'll be back to answer more of your questions you can give us a call or a text it's all one number one 332 8255 you're listening to garden talk on 650 ckom and 980 cjme you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or you're looking for some tips, you can give us a call. The number is 1-877-332-8255. We're talking a little bit off air, Rick, about just sort of the things that are going to start coming up in the next little bit. And one of them is always, once you kind of get to fall fertilizer <laughs> absolutely <laughs> what fall. are we thinking about for uh for lawns this uh this season for fall fertilizer now's the time to start fertilizing the lawn and also so so fertilizer i like using is the groundskeeper fertilizer because yeah. it's made in saskatchewan so we're supporting but they make the reason why i like it for a lot of the fertilizers have a like a 34 or 28 or really high nitrogen yeah. um but we all talk about and there's been the news about even you know, using less fertilizer and mm-hmm. everything else. And so um, one thing you can do is bec- the, you can get away with using less fertilizer on your lawn 
by watching your pH of your soil. Okay. Okay, so a lot of our soils, not everywhere in Saskatchewan, but a lot of our soils in Saskatchewan, the pH is high, so your soil is a little more on the alkaline side. Okay. So one thing about uh, grounds, groundskeepers has a sulfur. It has a 17 sulfur in it. It also has a, uh, a 3 iron in it. And, okay. And so what will happen is that sulfur lowers the pH so the plants can uptake the nutrients better. And so then that way you don't need quite as high of nitrogen. But one thing I like about it also is that, you know how you, in spring you get a spring fertilizer, you have a summer heat yep. fertilizer, and then you have a fall fertilizer. Well, with Groundskeeper, you can use the same fertilizer all three oh, times. Okay. So you don't have to have these different bags yeah. and you don't have to have extra fertilizer left over or anything else. You can just use some left over, use them shop. for the next, next, <laughs> next season. And so, uh, it's great time to fertilize right now and get it ready for winter time. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have the nicest looking lawn for next spring as well. You know, <laughs> the envy of the neighborhood. The envy of the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, be the greenest lawn on, on your side of the street, right? <laughs> and then also this time of the year, also you want to start thinking about your, your dog spot prevent. You know, if you've yes. got dogs in that, putting the dog, dog spot prevent on and that will help in those areas where the dog usually goes that that will uh keep it so that you're long you don't have all these spots all yeah, next all the spring. patchy yeah, kind of i spots. like putting that on each time i put my fertilizer on so spring summer and fall and then that will keep the soil so that it won't uh have those spots on it you'll still get you might get the odd spot yeah. but you know it won't give it a little but, extra oomph. but you'll get rid of most of the spots it works really well it's 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 a good seller for us people come back for it every year because they oh this works Mm -hmm. so that's how i know the product works is by how people (laughs) the repeat the repeat so yeah that works really good so well, and it's that's one of the challenges, I think, when you have a, a pet around. Sometimes yeah. you look at the lawn and think, ooh, I don't know about all this. Yeah, exactly. This doesn't look great. <laughs> now, last week we were talking about uh, corn borers. Yes. And uh, with the corn borers, uh, we, we we talked about the corn borers. It, there was a, there was a, today there was a, one of the, the callers um, that was listening last week had, uh, had sent uh, uh, me an email and saying, I got a great way that I take care of it, and I just wanted to read Ooh, it to people. Yeah, and so he said, I heard. He said, he said, I heard several people uh, how to prevent uh, heard of how to prevent corn borers. You must spray ambush. He says, which is now bug X out mm-hmm. on the corn cob at the beginning of the whirl. That's when the corn starts yeah, just to, starting to, start to... To, to to turn. Right, mm-hmm. you'll see the spiral on it, and uh, uh, right on the on the whirl, and then again when the silk. Starts to form. Okay. At the at the and merge and the last treatment I spray again once a cob is set. If it re, if it rains, repeat. Um, this will prevent infestation, but diligency is necessary. He said. Okay. So and and though and also he just gives a one thing for those who don't get who do get infected with and don't treat, just cut the worm and its trail out of the shuck, out of the shuck. And uh, there's no reason to throw out the cob because you can still use the other parts yeah. that are left. So that's so true. And uh, so that's one good way is just uh, yeah. there's basically three times you need to spray the ambush and a little bit more if it get lots of rain. Mm-hmm. And then you can stop that corn worm from bo- go- going boring. From into making your, it a little worse. <laughs> make, make going into that and wrecking that perfectly long, nice cob. You know? <laughs> the corn that everyone wants yep. in the summer, end of summer. Yep. <laughs>
Uh, we have a few texts that we can get to here. Remember, if you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call. one 332 8255 Or if you have a remedy. Yeah, right? we we always I love, love to see how people are working things out in their own gardens. I always say in, in gardening, there's never one single no. correct way. It's whatever works for you. And there's yeah. so many different ways. And sometimes ways. You, you hear something you've never thought of before, yep. and it's it's one of those ones where it's, oh, yeah, maybe. And, and, I, and I love that. When people have a question, and I might have an answer, but you know what? If you got another way that works for you, yeah. call in or text in yeah. or whatever. we would love to hear and it. And I'd love to hear it, and so would everybody else. There's, yes. there's many ways to, to, to do things, and uh, we love to be able to share the, the ways that might work for you. Yeah, because you never know. Maybe it's something that yep. uh, you have on hand already, and you Ex- can give it a go this afternoon. Exactly. Um, we have a question about raspberries. Uh, this one coming from Glenn in Saskatoon. I have raspberry plants that have reached seven to eight feet in height. Can they be cut back safely to five or six feet? Absolutely. Yeah. And anytime? Yeah, you can do that anytime or you can do it in the fall now. Uh, one thing, I mean, raspberry plants, they, they grow pretty tall. Yes. If you look at the big U-pick places, they all put, uh, posts up and then wires mm-hmm. down them and they actually basically hold them up like a trellis. Yeah. And so they don't fall over. <laughs> they get so tall, some of them just fall <laughs> over. And so, yeah, no, it's it's uh, not a problem. You can trim them back if you want. Um, one thing I remember to do is once we come into the fall, you want to take out your third year canes okay, and let the let the second year canes produce next year. So you can do that again in the fall once the once frost hits the leaves. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, with raspberries, they, they basically go from green to brown or black, yeah. <laughs> basically. In what they seems like change, a day. <laughs> they don't seem to turn yellow or anything yeah. else. They get frost, They you know, then they drop off. And so um, so once they just get that first frost, then take out those third-year canes, and then you're ready to go for next year. Perfect. Um, we have a question from Carla in Beachy. I'm looking to move or transplant some spruce trees that are healthy and approximately 20 feet tall. Are they too big to move, and when would be the best time to move them? Anytime when they set their, their terminal buds, which is now. Okay. Um, the only thing I don't like about moving them is when it's this hot, but it's yeah. if you got water, it's not a big deal uh, because they've set their buds. They've gone dormant now. Uh, I mean, in most cases, they've all set their buds, mm-hmm. and you can just see at the end of the branches, you'll see that brown little... You see that brown yeah, like little, the nub type little, nub little hard little cap, you know, like it looks like the bud, a hard cap for next year. So that size of a tree, you're going to need to move with a tree spade. Okay. Okay. Basically with the tree spade, you got to remember you can basically go about 10 to 12 inches of spade to every inch of trunk. Okay. Okay. So I don't care about the height. I care about the thickness of the trunk. Okay. About basically 12 inches off the ground. Okay. Okay. And so measured across there. So if you got a three inch... If you've got a three-inch tree, right, you're going to need a 36-inch tree spade. Okay. Okay? So if you have a 10-inch trunk, then obviously, you know, 10 times 12. Bigger. You need <laughs> 120. A, you need a big machine. Yeah. And so there's only a few machines that are really big for the big trees around mm-hmm. that are around the province. So you might need a, but for that tree, you're probably going to need at least, a, you know, anywhere from a 60 to 72-inch tree spade. Okay. Okay? Definitely at least. something to... Yep. Consider. Exactly. And if you move them when they're dormant and then give them lots of water, uh, they work good. You just can't move them. You can't move trees in the in what I call the three J's. Okay. June, July. Yeah, June, July, and, and, and August is another one. Sure. But August Asterix. is okay, but June, July <laughs> is the two two J's, basically. Yeah. June, July, because they start putting on all their new growth in June. 
So the two J's is definitely out. Yeah. And the first part of August is out usually until around the 20th of August. Okay. Then you can start starting to move them depending if they set that terminal butt again. Sort of waiting a little later into August, start of September and, and is probably best. it all depends best. on the season. Like this year, we had a late start. Yeah. And so the, the growth period lasts a little bit longer, but now they've set their terminal buds now. So we're good to, we're good to try. Good to move. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with, uh, Jerry looks like he's waiting on the line here. So we'll, uh, we'll join Jerry just after this quick break on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question, a tip, maybe some uh, some of your own home remedies to get things done, you can give us a call or a text at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've had Jerry patiently waiting for us through the break here, so we'll uh, go right to Jerry in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today? Good morning, guys. Uh, I've got a blue willow. Yep. And it's been in the ground for a year, and it's about waist high, maybe a bit bigger. And I was wondering when I can trim and start to shape that willow. Like, I, it's getting too much growth at the bottom, and I'd like to, if, if there's a way I can put a, it's like a, a nylon stocking around it and tighten it up a little bit to make it a little growing straight up more than... Yep. And when can I trim it and how much can I trim it? Yeah, the, the willows are pretty tough. I mean, you can trim them as they grow even, okay? Okay. Uh, so if you've got some branches with a new growth, because they grow pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and so you can trim them during the summertime just as you would trim a hedge, okay? Okay. So you can do some light trimming, and if you want to do any major trimming, do it once the leaves, um, the frost hits the leaves in the fall. Okay, okay, so another month or so. Yeah, but otherwise you can do some light trimming, to, uh, shaping and everything else all summer long. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you. Yeah. I know. All right, we have a, another text about raspberries. We were just talking about this before the break. Um, this one is coming from Steve in Regina. We planted raspberries this spring, and they have taken off. They're now over three feet tall, but yep. didn't produce much fruit. Should we be trimming or fertilizing to get them ready for winter and producing more fruit for next yep. year? No, no, what you want to do is use a fruit and berry fertilizer next spring. Okay. Uh, first thing in the spring, about the, you know, basically around the 1st of May type of thing. Okay. Use a yeah, fruit and berry. You don't want to use a high nitrogen because that just produces lots of top and, you know, then you don't you know, get as great as uh, berries. So mm-hmm. the fruit and berry is lower nitrogen, but it has boron, zinc, magnesium, calcium. It has all those other things to make the fruit produce better. Okay. And uh, and the plants will, and better, actually better tasting fruit as well. Which is what you like. Which is what you like. <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, uh, you won't, if you planted them this year, you won't get very many raspberries the first year. Okay. Um, I, mean, I do get some of them right in the pots, but you get less the first year. It's the second next year. That's when you'll, you're, you'll take off and start. Uh, so this year, if you want, you can, um, uh, once, what you can do, uh, once the frost hits the, the leaves, you can trim them down basically in half. Okay. And then next year, just let them grow up and, and you'll have lots of fruit next year. Perfect. Uh, we have Edna waiting on the line from Saskatoon. Hi there, Edna. What's your question for Rick this morning? Hi. Um, I'm just wondering, I have succulents and cactus plants uh, yep. outside. Yes. And I'm wondering if Endol is safe to debug them. Yes. Yes, it is. Because I used trounce uh, one yep. year. And that it blistered them. It was terrible. Yeah, one thing what with trouts, it has a little bit higher higher pyrethrin in it. So what you okay. want to do is just just 
with the, uh, what I like doing with the, with the with even the end all is um, is I will use it as, as a lower strength because you what you have either the ready to use or you have the concentrate. Oh boy, I'm not even sure. Is it, is it sure. A, is it you a trick? mix it in with water. I know you, that. you mix yours with water, so you have the concentrate then. Okay. And then, so what you want to do is go a little bit less uh, concentrated with what you're doing, uh, the, and then spray it twice, okay, rather than just once. And then that will oh, okay. get rid of them. So, um, oh. but other than that, uh, and then make add sure. Add less to the water, you mean? Yeah. Not, not so much? Yeah, add okay. less to the water. And don't okay. do it, don't, for blistering, don't do it when it's like um, 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. Okay? No, no. <laughs> wait, wait until the end of next week when, you know, the temperature's only going to be like 19 degrees. That's a okay. better time to do it. You might get the blistering if it's too hot. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because I had a really a beautiful ghost plant, and I sprayed with trounce. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it, yeah. I threw it away. Yeah. Oh, no. no. See, uh, with the the end all is is it has canola oil and insecticidal soap in it, uh-huh. and uh, where where trounce is more of a, a pyrethrin type of a product. Okay. Okay. And so okay. you'll do better just with the end all. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Edna. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, we'll go to Paul in Jackfish Lake. Hi there, Paul. What's your question for Rick? Well, good morning, everyone. I'm just, uh, my wife's uh, rose garden has uh, periodically rose gall appears on the on the canes. Yep. And I'm just wondering, how can I handle that, and when's the best time to do that? Okay, if it's the big galls on them, is that uh, it's an insect that basically... Puts a puts a bite into the stem, and it causes a hormone change in the growth, and then a lot of times they'll lay their eggs in that growth. So what you can do is, if you want, a lot of times you just trim the gall off the side of the branch when you okay. see it, and then throw them in the garbage because then obviously you stop the cycle of the bugs again the next year. And then also what you can do is that you you saw one time they're forming. They usually form usually about the end end of June, beginning of July. That's when they start to form a lot. And so, if you uh, if you spray with the, with a product called Ambush, oh, yeah. but not during the day when the bees are out there, when the flowers are out, spray them in the evening, and then you'll you'll stop that. But it's 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 hard to get them because when those when they come and do their, um, you have to actually with Ambush, you can use it. it has a little bit of uh, residual, but most times it's just a contact, and it's really hard to get them because they fly, they lay their eggs, and then they take off again. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get them. But the best way to do it is just trim those galls off and discard them. Don't throw them in the compost or anything. Throw them in the garbage. So you don't have to cut the uh, the cane itself. Just remove, just do uh, a sever of, yep. the, of the gall itself. You can just sever the gall itself. Perfect. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great day. You too, you too Paul. All right. We'll uh, go to Brad in Saskatoon. Hi, Brad. What's your question for Rick today? Hi there. I have actually two questions, if that's okay. They're For both sure. related to trees. I have a mogul pine that's quite mature and doing very, very well and tall. Yep. I want to uh, trim the tips off to try to get it to thicken up. Yep. When is the right time to do that? Right now. And how much do you trim off? Uh, as much as you still see green. Oh. Okay, so you, you can trim quite a bit off, but you still have to see green. If you just have sticks left, it takes a, it takes a few years. Like I had one year where the deer came and trimmed everything did some trimming for you <laughs> and it took about it took about three years for it to come back to look good okay oh my goodness okay so that's why yeah. you don't want to trim it down so you just have sticks okay they will come back but it takes a long time okay and uh and then next year just hit them with some 30 10 10 and you get lots of where you'll get lots of new growth coming out and you get multiple growths coming out and that's where it'll thicken out perfect 
Okay. Then next question, um, we've got a Manchurian elm that is growing. It's done quite well in the yard, and I want to move it to my lake. Is this the right time to do it? Did you say Manchurian elm? Yes, okay. an elm tree. Yep. Yeah, we want to wait till it's dormant. So wait till the leaves. Uh, if you do move it on in this kind of heat, it's going to be in trouble. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so Manchurian elm was really tough. I mean, if you, you probably just had a little seed that grew up, right? Exactly. Now, now one yeah. thing you got to remember, that thing grew there from seed, right? So wherever you move it to, you're going to have little Manchurian elms growing up all over the place as well. Okay. Once it start, once it matures and seeds all over the place again, right? Yes. So that's the only thing you got to worry about. That I'm just going to warn you is that it one is one that spreads pretty good. The Manchurian elm it produces a lot of seed. So, We're okay with that. We're trying to create a nice barrier with some nice trees. So okay, that's perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yep. Thank you. You're I welcome. really appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day. Yep. Bye-bye. You too, Brad. All right, we are going to take a quick break, but uh, if you have questions or uh, would like a few tips or anything to do with gardening, you can give us a call at one 332 8255 I'm Erin McNutt, and here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. We'll be back after a news break on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question or need some tips, you can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. Rick, we've had a few people waiting for us through the news break here. (laughs) But you know what? I just wanted to tell people, first of all, when we start, is that, you know, if you've had not successes in the garden and that kind of stuff, or maybe you don't have a garden. Yeah. The farmer markets out there right across Saskatchewan are, they're just in full. Oh, yeah. They're, they're full bore, right? So go and check out some, some fresh product. And you know what? Or if you do have a great garden this year, yes. don't forget about thinking about some of your, your produce and that that you might want to give away to the food bank or the, yeah, you know, the Salvation Army or, you know, some other family that maybe is in a little more need. Mm-hmm. So think about that as well, because that's a good way that we can help out and grow things and help other people out. Yeah. And you've grown it. And, you know, yep. if you're not going to use it all, you might as well find exactly. someone who can. Exactly. You'll love to see it. <laughs> uh, we have Leanne waiting for us in Arcola. Uh, good morning, Leanne. What's your question for Rick? Hi. I have a mountain ash um, tree, and it's probably about five years old. But it has got, like, lots of growth coming from the bottom. Yep. Um, I've tried to trim it before, and it just keeps growing back. Um, am I doing it at the wrong time, or, like, when is a good time? <laughs> What you want to do is that during the year you want you want to trim it down to the ground, like during the season, okay, uh, in, during the in especially in the spring and summer, and then what you want to do is you want to get a product called Top Gun, okay, uh, or you can another another product is called Advance, okay. It's made by Roundup and it's called Advance, and so you can e- use either one of those, and you can actually spray them on the suckers. And I have it hanging; it comes in a little trigger spray, so okay. you hang it on your lawnmower. So that you remind yourself that every time you go to cut the grass, that you're going to go take a look if there's any tiny little leaves coming up and you're going to spray them. Because every time you cut them, you cause what we call a stool bed. And so when you cut once, now two branches will come up from the one. And then you cut those two, now you get four. And so on and so on and so on, okay? Now you just get a big stool bed and now you just, you got a mess going on, right? That's exactly what I have going on. And so what you want to do is you want to trim them right down to the ground and then as soon as the leaf pops out of the ground, not a branch, uh, I don't want it to grow onto a branch. As soon as the leaf pops to the ground, I'm going to spray it and that'll burn it off, okay? It won't translocate this, this two products, uh, 
these two Top Gun and Advanced, they both won't translocate and won't kill the tree, but they'll they'll burn it off so that you don't get the the two coming from the one. Okay. Oh, okay. And so now you got to remember, this is not a cure; it's a control. So that's why you need to go every time you cut the grass. You're gonna go look for that little leaf coming up. You're gonna spray it, and then you won't keep having all these suckers coming up. You'll keep it under control. Okay, so these trees are noted for this. Like, yeah, yeah. there's there's different trees that will that will do that. A lot of times they'll start suckering though uh, when the tree is under stress as well. Okay, so that means that something might be happening with the top. So make sure you keep your tree well fertilized and keep it well watered during the summertime. Now, mountain ashes can take a little more drought than other trees, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still when it produces a heavy crop of fruit, that usually means that sometimes it's under a bit of a stress. So that just keep it, you want to keep it moist but not wet, and you also want to fertilize it every year as well. Okay. okay, so is it too late this year to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can water it, but give it a good watering right, right now because we are sitting 30 yep. degrees, right? Right. And then, but don't, but then now you, uh, after this next week, maybe water it once, give it a good deep watering at the drip line of the tree, and then you're, you're good for this year. Uh, you may want to give it one last watering about the third week in October, and then next year, uh, once a month, give it a good deep watering, okay? Once okay. a month, and then uh, and then give it a fertilizing. Uh, I like fertilizing it in about, about Mother's Day, and then I'll fertilize the mountain ash in three weeks' time again, and I'll use around the. How big is the tree? Oh, it's probably six feet tall. Oh, it's, it's just a small one. There's a young one. Yet. Or seven. Yeah, it's young. It's a young one yet. Okay, so then you're going to use about about two liters of water mixed with thirty ten ten, and I want to pour it around the tree in in. Um, uh, in both Mother's Day, and then I want to do it again in about three weeks' time. Three, ten, ten. Okay, so don't cut them off. Wait till spring then to cut these suckers. No, you, you can cut them off now if you want. That's oh, not I a problem. can cut them now. And, and then once once they start coming up in the spring again, then, then you want to use them. use your your Top Gun or your Advance. It's called Advance. Okay. So would that be the same thing? Because I have the same thing with my. It's a flowering um, plum, yep. but it, or flowering flowering crab, I guess, but it doesn't produce fruit. Yep, flowering crab. If you got coming from the base, or you got lilacs, they'll do the same thing. Or you got you got sour okay. cherries. Want to sucker a lot? Anything that suckers, you can control them. You're not curing it, mm-hmm. but you can control right. them with this product. Okay. Okay. And it's okay to do it now. It's okay to trim it back now if you want. Yes. Okay. Now, what about lawn fruit? To fertilize your lawn in the fall, yes. when is the right time? Anytime in September. And it's a one one application? One application. That's all you need to do. Okay. And you recommend the groundskeeper. Is well, that correct? It's it's a great fertilizer. It's not a high nitrogen, but it's it also just with that sulfur and, and it's a little bit of, it has a 10. You can get one with a 10 phosphorus as well. And if you use that one, the second number is 10. Uh, it'll set your lawn up for fall, and it's a great one. Okay. okay. Thank you very much for your time, Rick. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We'll go to Cheryl in Melville. Hi there, Cheryl. What's your question for Rick? Hi, Rick. So I was wondering if you had some tips for me. I converted my garden to zero till. Um, this is the third season. Yep. So I had had like severe cutworm problems, and it was dry out here, and our soil was hard. Yep. So I thought, well, farmers have been doing it since the 80s. I'm going to give it a shot. So we covered our garden, first of all, with leaves that they all blew into our raspberries, yeah. so then, which is fine, I guess. Yeah. 
So then we put straw. Yep. So we've been kept continually adding the straw like second year, third year, because it moves around and gets blown around. Yep. But our soil still remains fairly hard. Yep. Um, my carrots didn't really grow deep. They're short and then really gnarly. But then I heard you say maybe possibly too much fertilizer could have done that. Yep. Um, and I don't know. My tomatoes didn't do very good this year, too. <laughs> I probably have a combination of problems. But I, when I transplanted my tomatoes, I put about a half a teaspoon of blood meal because I had some in my shed. And I'm like, well, I might as well use this up. Yep. And, and about a quarter teaspoon of some kind of calcium product that I had. But anyways, my tomatoes just stayed, like, almost stood still for about a month. And now they're really late. So, like, yeah, my carrots didn't do great. Tomatoes, I got some problems. But on the other hand, my onions, I used to have a lot of problem with, I believe it was fusarium. And now this year, my onions were fantastic, and I didn't have any problems at all with fusarium. Yep. So I'm wondering if, like, do you think, first of all, zero tilling a garden is um, a good idea? or if, And if so, do you have some tips to maybe help me make it work out a bit better? Zero tilling works okay. It's it's not as necessary unless you unless you're going to a dry land like type of garden, right? Yeah. Because that's why they zero till. I mean, they're 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 trying to conserve soil moisture, right? Yeah. And, which which and, we are and, and soil structure as well. So yeah. um, that's two things. But with with a garden, you're adding those things because you're talking about a small area. You're adding water. You're all, probably have sprinklers on it, right? And you're adding no, water. it's a big garden. I, oh, so there's no water. Problem. Okay, yeah. Then then that's the then, problem. We lack water, and we lack the opportunity yep. to get it all watered. Now, the only thing is that when you first did this, uh, you might have been rototilling and doing your garden all beforehand, okay? Like rototilling yeah. each year. Now, yeah. you might have a hard, what you call a hard pan underneath, okay? I think we do. And if you have a hard pan underneath, you may want to take this fall, go through with a, if it's a large garden, you must be on an acreage or a farm. Yeah. Is if you can, if you can deep till it, okay? Okay. So deep till it to break that hard pan up. Now, you, mm-hmm. if you can't, if you don't have a piece of equipment, you may have to actually dig it up, you know, by hand, deep down, okay? Deeper down yeah. to get past that till. I like doing it late in the fall, and then I leave all the, it, you, you basically make your garden lumpy, okay? Big, hard mm-hmm. lumps. And I just mm-hmm. turn, I turn it, and I leave those lumps on top of the ground, and then mm-hmm. in spring, the frost breaks up all those lumps. Okay. okay? And uh, I did that in the fields before I put a new crop in the fields of the trees and that, and it's it's huge when you take out that uh, the hard pan. Once you get that hard pan out, you find your your crops will do a lot better, especially your ground crops will do a lot better. Yeah, so so um, it's a big garden rake, scrape the straw back yep. that we have on top. Yeah, or or would, just would or, it, or just work right through it. You think so? I yep. wasn't sure if you'd have denitrification because the straw isn't rotten. Yeah, no, it, it, it'll, it'll be, if, it's, if it's just, if it's fairly fresh straw, you could take it off, yes. Yeah, okay. it's fairly fresh. Yeah. Okay, and do you think a rototiller would be deep enough or no? Uh, no, no, you have to go deep, because the yeah. rototiller is what made that hard pan. Yeah. Right? You have to go okay. deeper than that rototiller like deep or something. Just a little bit deeper, so you might have to do it by hand, okay, or okay. You have a, if you have a tractor with a cultivator on, yeah. bury the cultivator. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And, and do you think blood meal was a bad idea when I was transplanting nope. my tomatoes? Nope. No, not okay. at all. Blood, the, the, the blood meal is fine. Or bone meal, you can use bone meals even better, okay? Yeah, okay. All right, could have been just cool, cool temperatures. You, that... In the spring, we had a really, really yeah. slow start. And the, the yeah. bees weren't out as much in the first thing in the spring and everything else. Everybody's got, with this heat now, everybody's having great crops now. But it, yeah, was, it, like was, a late, it was a late start for all the gardens. 
Okay, I just wasn't sure if I double whammied the problem there with that. So, okay, well, thank you very much, Rick. I appreciate your help. Okay. Okay, bye. I know. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get to Todd waiting on the line for us. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You can give us a call or text. It's all one number, 1-877-332-8255. We've had Todd waiting patiently on the line from Broderick. Good morning, Todd. What's your question for Rick this morning? Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, so I have in, I have about 20 rows, of about 100 feet long, of uh, organic potatoes. Mm-hmm. And so I found, like, several, like, maybe 10 or 12 of those uh, green marble-sized, I think they have the, like, organic, like, they have seeds in them. Yep. So my first question is, would all my plants, in theory, have seeds or... Or, or only some plants make well, depends. Some seed? some plants will, and some plants won't. Okay. So it, I looked and looked and looked, but you know it was so bushy. Yep. And I didn't know if I was just missing them or. It's it's random, honestly. Random? Some some will produce and some won't. Okay. All right. And then, is there any place that would? Uh, I'm probably too much of a to on the show to tell me, but uh, is there a good place that would tell me what to do with the? The, the seeds to get them to germinate, yeah. I guess, over winter? The best the best way for those is just uh, if you want to uh, actually just, I can give you a more detailed thing, just go rick at dutchgrowers.com. Okay. And I can give you a whole detailed thing on how to do that. Okay, very good. Okay. Uh, uh, can I just ask one quick spruce yeah. tree oh, of course, yeah. question? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I planted like 10 um, spruce trees from Canadian Tire yeah. and like three years ago. Yeah. And they basically looked like they were dead each spring. Yep. And then Maggie wanted me to rip them out of the ground, but I kept uh, just taking that gold, like that goldy brown yep. crust off them, and then watering, watering them, and they seem to be doing okay. Um, is there any advice for like maybe helping them out this winter? If you, if you want just to get them through that, if you want to put a, I don't know how many you have, but but puts a a burlap wrapper on them for the for the first win- for this next winter. Yep. And also watch your pH of your soil. You want your pH of your soil to be around six point five to seven. If okay. your pH is high, if you're up around 7.4 to 8.3, 8.5, then you're yep. going to get the browning every sp- a lot of times during the wintertime, okay? If you lower the pH, then you got to use aluminum sulfate or sulfur to lower that pH. Um, and if you have lots of them, I like using that groundskeeper fertilizer. Mm-hmm. I still do my spruce trees. I have a whole bunch of them. And I yep. use that groundskeeper fertilizer around in the spring. Uh, I put it put it right around in about the middle of May, and yep. uh, and it has sulfur base to it as well, and uh, the plants do really well with it. Okay. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. You're the best. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Todd. All right, we have uh, some texts coming in here. Looks like lots of people are busy for the long weekend in the garden. Uh, we'll start off with Alice in Saskatoon. Uh, we have so many wasps on our yard, and they are hungry after us. Uh, we put up three wasp catchers, which help, but we still can't eat or drink because there are so many. Why are we getting so many this year? Yeah, there's just there's just, there's a major nest somewhere close by. Yeah. So um, just a matter of finding out where they're where they're hovering around. They're probably they could be underneath your deck. Yeah, right? there's been uh, we've been seeing a lot of that this if, year. If there's that if there's in that many that's close by, it's either under your neighbor's deck, under your deck, or somewhere, or it could be in a crack in the ground. If the crack in the ground, they're tough to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my mother-in-law had them in the wall. They went through a crack and went up into the wow. wall of her garage. 
and uh, where it was insulated, and they were you couldn't get them. I mean, yeah, they had found to bring, that nook. Had to bring an exterminator in to to get at them, you know. So, um, but otherwise, just keep the cash traps out there. Like, remember that they are pollinators, so yeah. they they are good to have around as pollinating, but they are a pain. Yeah. Um, um, just make sure that if you do have your, your food out there, you can buy these little, these for over top of your plates. You can buy those little, oh, yeah, the little net, net things. things over top. <laughs> you know, you can do things to, to make sure they don't attract right close by. Um, but other than that, just find the trap and you can, there's lots of ways you can dispose of the trap. And you, when, if you're going to spray any sprays, do it in the evening when they at, once you found the nest, do it in the evening. Okay. Because then you don't have to, you know. A little less aggressive get, get usually. Get your whole astronaut space suit on so you don't get stung. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do it at nighttime, you can go right up close and they're straight right to the hole. And, okay. And they won't be coming out after you and they're, and they're done, especially if you use the foam styles. Yeah. And... Um, but other than that, just looking for that nest is the big thing. And then next spring, put up a waspinator. It's a fake wasp nest. Oh, okay. It's a big wasp nest. They're very territorial. So if they see another nest in the area, they'll decide, okay, I better not be here because <laughs> we don't want won't, these neighbors, <laughs> or the neighbors won't want me. Yeah. So you can do that as well. But other than that, um, yeah, just and make sure you don't keep uh, other things just laying around, like if you. Don't leave pop cans out. Don't leave, uh, yeah. you know, during the year where they, where they'll be attracted to your yard. Um, so, you know, apples, even in the fall, don't, um, don't be leaving all the apples laying on the ground because they will actually yeah. eat on those as well. So, uh, keep in control of your aphids using the ladybugs and the praying mantises in your yard because they also feed on the, on the, on the sap that they're excrement. Oh, the yeah, the sticky kind the of, sticky. yeah. So you can do all those kind of things to sort of control that part of it and it won't make your yard so, attractive for the wasps. All right. Um, we have a text from Ray in Leader. We have five large old spruce trees, probably about 60 years old. Needles are turning brown and ground covered with needles. Lawn gets lots of water. Are they dying? And is there anything we can do to save them? Two things you can watch for are if they're if they're browning from the inside, bottom, up and out. Okay. So inside from the ground up and outwards, mm-hmm. mainly the bottom half of the tree, you have a spider mite problem. Oh, okay. Okay, so you can you need to treat that one basically with malathion. It's the only thing that really works really well. Um, and you spray it basically three times starting around June first. Okay. And in three in but in about two to basically fourteen day increments three times. Okay. So June first. June 15th, June 30th. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, so if a spider mite is that, the other thing we're going to watch for is needle cast disease and just look up needle cast disease. Okay. It's, it, you have brown going right to the end of the branches. Okay. And randomly all over the tree, but it'll spread through the tree. If that's the case, you got to use a product called Bordeaux or it's called copper spray. And there again, you spray it three times the same time. And if you have both, you can spray them just one after another. Okay. You spray the melathine first, the Bordeaux second. Okay. And that'll clear that 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 up pretty good, and uh, you have to keep on top of it. But other than that, um, this year they did have a, they have a lot of stress from last year. Yeah, you, there's a lot of trees that just showed a lot of stress from last year by because we had the drought. Yeah, and now we have and then this the heat late now. Season and so now... just you need a deep water at the drip line of the tree. Okay, and then to get new growth next year, fertilize around uh, uh, every three weeks from Mother's Day until July the fifteenth, and use a thirty ten ten. Uh, if you have just a few around the yard, if you got a whole field of them, then I like using, if farmers have a field of them, just use a sulfur base 
uh, fertilizer, just like they would use on their canola crops. Okay. Okay. That works good. Just broadcast at a hundred pounds of N per acre. If you're in a farm and mm-hmm. you understand what that means. So, <laughs> yep. And then I like doing it on top of the snow in March. Oh, okay. And then you'd get the moisture. What too. happens? It melts to the snow and then the snow melt in the spring will take it down to the roots. Perfect. And you only need to do it once. Which is even better. Yeah, for those ones. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break for news and then we'll be back with more of your questions on Garden Talk. 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyke from Dutch Growers. We've had a few people patiently waiting for us on the phone line through the news break here, so we won't make them wait too much longer. Uh, we'll start off with Sharon in Saskatoon. Good morning, Sharon. What's your question for Rick? Um, I have a spider plant, and it grows these long stems with a bunch of leaves on the guess that's supposed to look like spiders. Yep. Should I cut them down? They're kind of out of, out of control right now. Yep. You can trim them all you want. It's not a problem. In fact, you can plant those other ones into new little pots and start your new ones again. Yeah, it. I have already a bunch of new ones coming, yep. so yep. I wonder if I should get rid of... Somebody told me you're not supposed to cut them down, and somebody no. else says, oh, yeah, you can. No, no, well, you, I don't you, know what I'm doing. Yeah, no, you can trim them. You can control them. Otherwise, they do. They get sort of... They just keep going. They get a little wild. <laughs> they get a little ones. wild. Yeah, it's totally out of control, and yeah. it's getting a bunch of new ones, and then it's yep. got two that are really hanging on the floor already. Yep. They're so long. Yeah, no, trim them. Okay, thank okay. you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye now. All right, we will go to Lana in Eagle Lake. Good morning, Lana. What's your question for Rick? Okay, I have a red sparkle tree, and it's got apples on it. Yep. Uh, the apples are starting to get a bit of a red blush to them, but how do I know when it's time to pick them? It's getting, well, usually, red sparkles usually, uh, usually are ripened by the first uh, week in, the, in, in September. But this year, everything's been a bit later, okay? okay. So okay. Uh, what I would do is I would just um, I would pick one apple and give it a taste. That That's we the did. best. What's that? We, we did, and it actually tastes really nice. Yeah, so start harvesting them then. Because because they, they'll get just they'll get because they have a good shelf life, right? Yeah. Like red sparkles. One thing nice about those ones, you can put them in the fridge probably for two months almost, right? If you put okay. them in, the, in a cool place, and I, go ahead. If I put them in the fridge, do I put them in a bag or just take the apples and put them in a bottom shelf? Put them in the bottom shelf in your crisper. Okay. Okay. Uh, so when I pick these apples, do I pick the big ones off and leave the little ones, or just yep? Because yep. with this kind of temperature, this, the little ones are still growing, right? Okay, fair so enough. With this kind of temperature, it's, it's when you start getting risk of frost, then you just pick them all. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Uh, we go to Joe in Prince Albert. Good morning, Joe. What's your question for Rick? Good morning. Um, looking at my hollyhocks and delphiniums, they're pretty much done for the year. Yep. Um, seeds or seed pods are opening up on the hollyhocks, so I'm I'm trying to capture some for replanting next year. Yep. Um, when I replant next year, is there any uh, trick to planting? I've never planted them before. You can either plant them straight out, but then you won't get flowers till the following year. Or what you can start, you can start if you want to. In February, you can start to plant them indoors, right, and seed them, oh. and then okay. and then get the. So what you want to do is you can put them into the fridge, and that yeah. gives them their little cool spell, right? Yeah. Uh, just make sure you don't put any seed or any bulbs in with fruit, okay? 
Sure. So it has to be in your beer fridge or something like that. Okay. Right. (laughs) So, and uh, so other than that, um, keep them cool. That'll give them a little bit of stratification. And then if you want, plant them in, in around. Yeah, in February, end of February type of thing, and then you can start growing them in, indoors, right? Okay. Make sure you have bright light. You'll probably need some, because you don't want them to stretch, you know, so you need bright light yeah. and uh, or grow lights or whatever, and then you can just plant them outdoors around the May long weekend. And they're uh, quite fine seeds. Uh, plant them, what would you say, uh, inch into the ground? Yeah, or? just barely into the ground. Just barely, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and I do recall uh, from a previous show, you were talking about saving some of the stalks for bees. Yeah, because a lot of those stalks are hollow inside, right? Yeah. yeah. And so what you cut them into lengths, you know, probably about, you know, six, eight inches long. And then yeah. you tie them together and then you put them in a clump and then you'll, the, the, the leaf cutter bees, or we don't have very many mason bees here, mm-hmm. but the leaf, we have leaf cutter bees. They'll use that, and some other, and there's some other type of bees that will use them too for pollinators. They'll use yeah. that for nesting areas, and that's a great way to attract homes for those to do all your pollinating in your yard. Sure. So when you say in a clump, like just a few of those uh, yep. bundles on yeah, top of Yeah, take a handful, other. like a handful of bundle, yeah. tie them together and yeah. put them in clumps around the yard in different spots, and uh, they'll use those as their home. Oh, right on. Okay. Even, even things like ladybugs even use those kind of things as well. So, hmm. Sure. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. You're Thanks, welcome. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye. All right, we have a couple of texts that we can get to um, before we go to break here. Um, this one, we've been talking a little bit through the day just about sharing your your own garden tips and things that have worked for you. And this is uh, one of those. This one's coming from Brenda in Moose Jaw. For years, I always planted my zucchinis and cucumbers in hills, about four or five seeds per hole, and never had very good results. This year, I planted individual seeds in a row, never thinned any plants, survival of the fittest. Uh, now I have dozens of zucchini and cucumbers. I'm thinking that when planting multiple seeds together, that they were layering on top of each other and didn't germinate properly, but the single seeds are working great. Yeah, just remember the hill. If you're putting them in a multiple hill, you're still going to have some space between the seeds on the hill. Mm-hmm. So you're not building a tiny little hill. It's a yeah. little bit bigger You need hill. a bit more space. A bit more space. Right. And so, yeah, the way they did them is... To, uh, and, but if you do put them in a whole row, you, you still may thin. They even do better yet, right? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, success we, is always success. I always say that I, uh, there's never a wrong answer. Yeah. If you find if it the works, right it way, works. That's the way you got to do it. And, and then, you know, you know, the thing is about it is that what you try this year might be different next year. Yeah. So it all depends on the season and everything else. But uh, like I said, gardening is, is fun because it, it brings new challenges. Every Lots day. of trial and error. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we have a question from Lynn in North Battleford. Can I use a mixture of cactus succulent soil and regular potting soil to transplant my small Hoya plant and do I fertilize? Yep, absolutely. Because the cactus soil has a lot more perlite and peat moss in. Mm-hmm. Just remember that, you know, with your regular soil, you don't want to, the reason why you're putting it in, you may even want to add just a tiny little bit of perlite to that. Okay. Because the other soil is just mostly peat moss. Mm-hmm. So the Hoya doesn't want to be that wet. Okay. Yeah. So, but mixing the two will definitely be a help. Absolutely. All right. Easy enough. Um, this question coming from Nikki in East End. How do I know when to pick carrots and onions? Also, I purchased pot poppers to get rid of gnats. Can I use that uh, on my indoor vegetables, tomatoes, lettuce, and spinach? Yeah, you can use those on indoor, um, your, especially your house plants or okay. any plants you bring in out from outdoors. Mm-hmm. 
because any peat moss, like if you bring a pot, if you have a, a hibiscus or your any, a lot of tropical plants that people are putting in planters now, yeah. you bring them indoors. Yeah, during the summertime, the fungus gnat's going to move into that peat moss. So put the pot poppers, which is a little nematode, and then they go down and feed on the, on the larva. Okay. So yeah, you can do that on any soil indoors. All right. Um, let's. That has peat moss in it because the gnats love peat moss. Okay. And how does uh, she know when to pick uh, carrots and onions? Carrots and onions? Uh, carrots just start, I go out in the garden and just start picking, even if I've got baby carrots at mm-hmm. the beginning. And then as I'm stealing, <laughs> right? <laughs> then you know when your harvest comes because every yard is going to be different, whether it's in the sun or shade. Yeah. Uh, type of soil you'll have, everything else. So it just randomly start harvesting a little bit, and then you'll find out when your garden is at the at the peak, right? So that mm-hmm. you can just harvest everything and freeze your carrots or whatever you're going to do, preserve them or just eat them. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, and the other one was carrots and onions, right? Carrots onions, and onions. Yeah. You, uh, your onions, you should have stepped over on the top already by now. Okay. Uh, and fold it over the top and, uh, uh, so just, just step on the top and bend them over if they're standing still straight up and that will help finish them off. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Easy enough. We will get to more of your questions uh, after a quick break. If you want to ask Rick a question, you can give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. You're listening to Garden Talk. Uh, we have Shelly waiting on the line for us. Shelly, what's your question for Rick today? Hi, I'm just wondering when the best time to prune your raspberries are. I used to always do it in the spring down to about a foot. Yep. Didn't get to it this year because they started to um, bud. Yep. And I had a lot more raspberries, but it's just a mess. So when yep. is the best time? You, you could either one, either spring or fall. I like doing a little bit. I like to trim them at least in half in, in the fall because then the snow doesn't bang them right down to the ground, you know? Okay. Uh, but you can trim them down in half. Just don't trim them. You don't need, you don't need to trim them right down to the nubs if you don't want. Okay. Right. The only ones I'll trim down to the nubs is the third year canes. So the ones okay. that produce a lot this year. Okay. okay. But the other yeah, ones, I won't, I won't trim the other ones down that far because I, I want those ones to be farther advanced to produce, give me more fruit earlier next year. Right, because I do have some new ones that are really healthy looking that did yep. not produce. So yep. those guys, for sure, nothing more than half. Yeah, yeah. You don't need, and if they're not that tall, just leave them. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's perfect. Thanks okay. so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. I know. All right, we have some texts that we can get through here. Um, this one is coming from Steve. How many pounds per acre do you fertilize the grass? The grass, yeah. um, basically, if you, I, I don't like fertilizing anything more than, uh, in that type of situation, more than 100 pounds of N per acre. Okay. Okay. That's a good rule, I think, for my trees, my grass, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So the farmers will know what that means. Perfect. It's a little more, <laughs> a little more technical. More technical, but it's about 100 pounds of N, of N per acre. Okay. Okay. Um, this one coming from Betty in Whitewood. Planted some new Sundancer poplar trees, which are about six feet in height. Yep. A few have uh, a slight bend partway up the trunk. Is there a way that we can stake it to correct it? Yeah, use a bamboo stake or something like that. Uh, anything like that will just, and then use a soft tie. Okay. And then you only need to keep that up there for one season and then you need to take it off. Or if the poplars grow so quickly, yeah. it's up to six feet a year, just make sure that it's not digging, that, that tie you used is not digging into the to the new stem next year as it grows. Okay. okay? That's because you might have to adjust. 
Yeah, you want to give it a little season, bit of space to grow. As the season grows on, yep. Okay. Um, this one coming from Janice in Saskatoon. I have uh, two marigolds. They are turning white and dye. What's up with them? Okay, so usually when they're white, usually means sun skull. Okay. Like, so they're sun, got a it's like a sunburn. Sun. So you just need to watch your moisture. That's the big one. Just watch your moisture. If, they, if it's the white leaves, it's the sunburn. Okay. We've we've seen to have a have have had a lot of that this summer. Yeah, yeah, it's been hot. It's been hot and, and consistent and watering hot is, too. is is it's hard to be consistent, especially in a oh, garden yeah. when it's this hot. All right, we have a question from George in Hag. Uh, we have really well producing sour cherry trees in our present garden. We are moving to a new house and have a spot to plant a few sour cherries. Could I dig out some of the suckers this fall and either transplant them right away or put them in pots in a cool place over the winter for planting in the spring? Yep, you can plant. That's a good way to do it is put them into a pot because a lot of times when you take the suckers, they don't have much of a root system, you know, yeah. some of the suckers. Try to find a sucker that has lots of good fibrous roots on it, put it into a pot, and then uh, let it root into that pot would be the best way. Just put it into somewhere where it doesn't go down below minus 10. Okay. Okay, that, that's the key. Don't go below minus 10 and they'll be fine. All right. Um, this one coming from Gail in Regina. Oh, this is this one's going to test my uh, my pronunciation skills. Yeah. <laughs> I have two Holmstruppy. Yep. Holmstrup cedars. Yep. Yes. Good. <laughs> Forty-year-old cedars uh, that have bypassed their expected uh, growth. Can the tops be trimmed so not to interfere with the eaves troughs? Yes. Yes, and you can do that right now if you want. Perfect. Not a problem. Just bring them down, you know, three or four feet below the eaves trough. Okay. I like reaching in, clipping on the main stem, and then take my hedge pruners and just, because the home strups get more tapered. Okay. So like the brandons and sky bones are more flat, they're more square, whereas home strups go a little more tapered up to the top. Mm-hmm. So I like going, reaching in, cutting out the main stem, and then trimming this outside side little branches so you still got a taper, so it doesn't look like a flat top. Kind of shaping them a little shaping bit. Shaping them a bit, yeah. All right. Um, this one is a problem we seem to have all the time. <laughs> the deer have eaten five feet of greenery from my pyramid cedar. Yes, yep. What do I do now? Next spring. I don't think they should have done it this summer. They would probably have done that last fall. Like mm-hmm. they usually eat them in the winter time. Yeah. Uh, don't when they're see, looking for they, food. So they're looking for food. So what you want to do next spring, starting May 10th, fertilize every three weeks with 30, 10, 10, depending on how big these plants are. If they're bigger, the more you put in. If they're just a small little two foot, three foot, then about two liters of water. But if it's a 16 foot cedar and with the bottom, trimmed up Mm -hmm. then you want to put at least five gallons of water around the tree and you do it every three weeks from may 10th until july the 15th okay and you'll get lots of new growth coming out perfect okay Um, and you can even trim the right now the top of them yeah if they're up high high just trim the top just like i talked about the last caller who trimming all those home straps and then trim the top off a little bit and that'll force the growth out the bottom and is there anything they can do to try and make them less appealing to the deer put a fence around them Just fence them right off. <laughs> or, or, or get yourself a good German Shepherd Ooh, that, that yep. lives outside. Yes, the farm dogs. The farm dogs. They, they, <laughs> when I had a shepherd that lived outside, I had a little heated little had a dog shed for them for the really cold nights, and yep. uh, and there was no deer in the yard. No. <laughs> they don't want to cross yep. paths. Yep. <laughs> um, this one is coming from Helen. My burning question this morning is what to do with this cricket invasion. Oh, I know. Sticky boards are great, but I'd need thousands of them, <laughs> and they're sold out everywhere. Yeah. I don't like to use much spray. Uh, is there a pet-friendly powder to put around the house foundation? Help! Yep, <laughs> My thirty-year-old foundation is covered. Yeah, diatomaceous earth. 
Okay. Okay, you can spread that around the foundation of the of the house too, and then they go through it and it gets into their joints and it dehydrates them. Oh, okay. So diatomaceous earth is about the only it's or crawling insect killer. There's a whole bunch of names for it, mm-hmm. but it's diatomaceous earth. That's that's the ingredients, and you can use that one. Um, the other one you can use, which is good for not, it doesn't hurt dogs. Not is this the pyrethrin spray, which you spray a, a, a strip along the uh, along the foundation, mm-hmm. and as soon as they cross it, they die. Okay. okay, so a few different options. Yep. Um, we have a question from Owen in Priestville. When is the best time to plant fall garlic and what fertilizer should I use? Yep, use a bone meal and you can plant them anytime now. They're in the stores all over the place. Perfect. So along with the tulips and crocuses and alliums and all that kind of stuff. All the good fall bulbs. All the good fall bulbs are out there. Same with the fall garlic. Perfect. Um, this one coming from Elaine in Regina. How do I prepare our grapevines for winter after they're harvested? Um, not much. Just if you want, you can give them, once they get a, a frost, which they turn brown after the first frost. Basically, yeah. that's when the grape leaves, they turn brown quick. And so as soon as you have, after that first frost, you can do any trimming you want to. They'll grow right back again and produce on the new growth next year. All right, easy enough. Yep. <laughs> um, and we'll take uh, one more question before we do, uh, before we finish the show for the week. We have a young weeping willow in the backyard of our acreage. Was looking so lush and healthy in July. Now the leaves are browning from the in, from outside in. Have we been watering uh, too frequently? Any thoughts? No. Two things it might be. One is not enough watering. They take a lot of moisture. Okay. okay. The other one is uh, they could be is have a, a leaf miner. Oh, okay. And that's a little worm that's in between the two layers of leaf. So you open a leaf up, you'll see a little worm inside. Okay. And if you'd have that, that it's really hard. The best thing to do is just pick a few leaves, those leaves off, especially early mm-hmm. and destroy them, squish them. Okay. Okay. And then you don't start the cycle over again for next yeah. year. But, uh, cause there's no sprays anymore. There used to be sprays for them and mm-hmm. those sprays are all gone. All right. So a bit of a project maybe yep. to get it, it back they'll to They'll never healthy. kill the tree, yeah. but, uh, it just makes them this time of the year look bad. So, Watch the watering. Could be drought uh, or it could be the leaf miner. All right, perfect. And that brings us to the end of the show for this week. Uh, you can always uh, give us calls or text next Sunday when we're back for more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.